Today's guest is Janet Stevens. She's the Chief Talent Management Officer in the Office of Management at the Food Safety Inspection Service that's within the USDA. Janet has had a terrific career at FSIS as an Assistant Administrator for Analysis and Risk Management. Uh, she's been the Acting Chief Data Officer. She's also been the Chief Risk Officer and she's uh, been the chief information officer and, and many more things, but the chief information officer is where I met Janet. So I really wanted to call that out. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today, Janet. Thrilled to be here. Thanks for the invite, Jeremy. So for those who don't know you, have not uh, worked with you or gotten to uh, meet you at an event, share a bit about your background, like wh where you're from, who you are and what you do. Great. Well, I'm from a small town in central Virginia called Mechanicsville. Um, I grew up there since I was a kid, and um, I think one of my challenges was I was a little probably too curious. <laughs> um, so I actually um, had some insects like ants. I would let them have little ant hills, little flags there. I'd see what kind of foods that they like, how they dismember things. So that ties in, I hope, to your thinking of geek, because if I was anything as a child, I probably was total geek um, <laughs> growing up. So I was just interested in learning anything I possibly could. And um, I thought I might want to go into psychology. And I realized early on in school, I didn't, but I decided I really wanted to go as far away as I could because computer science was very exciting to me. And back then, you know, mouses were kind of soap on a string. <laughs> they weren't the elegant touch screens and interactions, but a lot of the careers, you know, that you've talked about really weren't careers that existed back then. But I just knew I wanted to do something that had to do with computers or at least have a school that ex exposed me to that. Um, so, of course, I switched over to English writing as my major, <laughs> which is a, how I start a lot of these, which, you know, at the end of this, I'll tell you what my major was. But it was um, English writing, not lit. I was not lit major with a concentration in communications. Mm -hmm. And that's what my degree ended up being in. And so that's kind of how I came through there. And, you know, as you all do coming through your first degree, I was the first generation that was that didn't graduate from college. So I was kind of felt that burden of making, you know, making it. So I quickly went to the career center, was trying to figure out what in the world could I possibly do for a career with this degree, found out the reporters did not, strangely enough, make much money. So maybe I wanted to be an editor. So I, I um, really annoyed the heck out of one of the deans to try to get into um, a higher level graduate courses as an undergraduate. And um, he, I just remember this where I really wanted it so bad that he didn't think I was ready and um, I just sat in his doorway and put my legs across. So every time he went in and out of his office, he'd have to just step over me to get in and out of his office. And he finally, at the end of the day, was like, you really want, must want this class pretty badly. And I was like, I really do. And he goes, you promise you'll get above a C? And I said, yes, I do. And so he signed off on it. So with that, at least it gave me, I think, a bump <laughs> as to what I was going to do. Um, I got some strange in initial inquiries. One was stockbroker. I don't. I didn't really understand why anyone would want me to try, but it was the 90s who didn't want to be a stockbroker in the early 90s. So um, just trying to figure that out. But they thought someone with a degree background might, like mine, might have a different perspective and give them different things to think about. But I was not interested in moving to New York. Um, then I had um, an offer from the U.S. Postal Service to edit Postal Service manuals. While that sounds fascinating, absolutely needed. Um, was not interested looking at their portfolio. It was all people who looked exactly the same <laughs> and it didn't look exciting. And I got an opportunity to interview with USDA and what was um, then the Economic Management um, Service, now is the e Economic Research Service they rolled in as a, a writer editor. So right with my degree, 
and they were willing to pay me $21,000 a year. And I was, who in the world would want to pay me $21,000 a year to do anything? Hmm. So I uh, went on several interviews um, back and forth. And as is government, if folks are watching or you're not familiar with the government, it can take many, many rounds and many, many months to even find out that you got the job. So um, that's how I came to USDA and became a writer editor. Wow. So it was within communications. So that's interesting because uh, it, it was highly possible it could have been it been something else. Now, how, how did you, as a, you, you stayed through government, so then how did you grow your career from that point? I, you know, writer, editor, did it have a career ladder? Did it have a, a plan for you? I came in through the Outstanding Scholars Program. I don't think it exists anymore, but there's lots of career ladders. So I did come in. So instead of being a five, I got the seven, hence the starstruck at $21,000 <laughs> kind of thing. And um, so that was, that was uh, I believe it was a 579, and so writer-editor. So how I kind of moved around was um, I usually, I, have, I had to learn early on how to manage what I said because I would usually complain about something and they'd put me in charge of it. I actually edited a waste management newsletter that they created, and that may have been more of a punishment then than anything else, but I took it and ran with it. And uh, so as case may be, the web was this new thing back then, and I was looking at our, our then website, which was hosted by a university, which was odd to me. And um, I, I called, the, the navigation was a pyramid, so you had to click on the side of the pyramid as to where you wanted to go. And with an English lit, you know, with English writing background, just in kind of English is a, there's that science behind how you organize things that drove me crazy. So in asking how they could possibly make it better, they're like, well, we don't have anybody that's not technical that's running it. Why don't you take a stab at it? So they let me start, you know, working on the web. And that was great for me because that blended my computer science with my love for you know, the, all things English, but also this great desire to organize things into categories. And so that's kind of how I got started in more of the technical side. So I did a lot of editing for economic reports and journals and things like that. But my, I really could tell that that's what was pulling me was that desire to get into that web world. Um, so that's kind of that foray into that. And they eventually I became the director, not director, but I oversaw the website there. Um, and that was just where I think it all began with the passion for doing that. Was it at that point that you then transitioned to FSIS and then in, in a similar role or a higher role, or you you were there for a little while? I had more nagging to do, apparently. So <laughs> I I realized, and I think you realize this with any job, is that at some point, you know, as you go up, there's just fewer and fewer jobs for you at that level. And at that point, I really wanted, um, at that point of 13, I wanted to move up. I'd been there for about seven and a half years. And um, I just felt it was time for a change. So I started looking around at, at places to go and um, landed at the risk management agency. And that tied into my background. My family are farmers on both sides. I mean, my mom and my my dad were both born on the farm. My mom was one of 13. <laughs> my dad oh, wow. was like one of four. Um, so it, it kind of tied into this crop insurance risk management for, for farmers and producers. So I really felt it started to then connect me back to where I came from. So then I had like, okay, I've got web, I've got editing and I kind of marketing too. And I've got this connection back to kind of where my family, you know, that heart and soul with the farming area. So, um, I did that for a while. We did one of my favorite projects was working on the dairy options pilot program. We got to film with cows talking while well, they were talking by the time we went through editing, 
but um, that's where I became, you know, more of that supervisory. I got the 13. I was um, being able to shape and form things as opposed to just being part of it um, and learning early on what it means to be part of being at the, at the table, um, even though it wasn't, you know, the highest position, but learning how to be that partner at the table versus, you know, that being the, the be all end all goal, but that, that I was there for about the same amount of time. Um, and then after that was when I started making connections with um, folks at USDA large, I started getting on groups, um, federal groups to improve and influence and create web policy. And that's where I really started to really understand how the government works across departments. And that was fascinating to me. Absolutely fascinating that you had departments that would get together and try to hammer out web policy, how to not have the Las Vegas effect where you've got the icons and where you don't have the head of the agency be the first page that you see when someone goes there. Search engine optimization. Oh my gosh, what's that all about? So that's that's kind of how I got rolling in that area. And I, I feel like that was really where my passion was. And through those connections and working with content management systems and portals, um, that's really what got me over into where I am right now, which is food safety and inspection service. It's very interesting. I'm going to ask a question that, um, so in my experience in government, I have not found very many um, women in in this field, right? The communications has some, right? Certainly writing, editing, I've seen quite a few, but in the management realm, it becomes thinner and thinner the further up you go. And that was certainly something I recognized when I worked for you was a very, very uh, a dynamic, powerful woman leading this organization. And then you look across USDA and it's not necessarily um, a similar. Did that factor into anything or did you never really stumble around and, and have any issues in that regard? I, I think it's noticeable when you get to the table. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just busy doing what I think I need to be doing. I'm doing if there's policy things, if there's cybersecurity things I need to do, if there's working, you know, outside of my agency, working with the department, working outside the department. Um, but I think it really became to me more evident when we all were sitting at a table and you look around and there's like maybe three or four yeah. um, who who look like you in any sense of the word. And you start to realize that there, there aren't that many. And so I think that's where I started um, doing additional speaking to talk to people about, you know, what it's like to do that, because you can look at how people dress. You can look at how, you know, goodness knows. I mean, we used to wear dresses and skirts and I, I shifted into pants. Mm. Um, I happen to like pants, but it was one of those weird moments where you're like, should I start assimilating myself wearing the darker colors, you know, mm -hmm. and then it, it takes a while, I think, to get your, your sea legs under you that you have that confidence that you're just going to be yourself. And, you know, when I, you know, me, when I would kind of not be happy with something, I would get out of my chair and walk <laughs> over to the other side of the, the building. You know, a couple of times I got in a shuttle and went to another state <laughs> to kind of get, just show up in someone's office. Because if, if you're not, you know, if you don't feel like you're being taken um, as seriously as you should, um, sometimes you have to do um, things a little bit differently to command that. Um, but you have to also be mindful that and it took me a while to realize this. I think on the when I was on the web team in my current agency um, was where I first started noticing that folks were like, you know, I don't we don't know when you sleep. And and you know it, it became this and it at first it sounds like a badge of honor. I'm like we're all working so hard. And I realized that um, when I was thinking about transitioning, nobody wanted my job. And they were telling me that everybody on the staff and I was like, wow, I'm not doing my job. If I'm not bringing people along and, and if I'm only, um, if they're only seeing the, the parts of it that are stressful or, or things that are, you know, 
I guess stressful is probably the best way to put it. But if they're only seeing and hearing that, they're not seeing themselves in there. They're not seeing that home work-life balance. And I needed to change how I talked about that. Not only there, I saw it with my family. My son was like, I don't ever want to work in government. He works for government now. But when he was a kid, he never wanted to work for government because he said, you know, you're always working. You're always on that Blackberry thing. And I want to put it in the garbage disposal and I want to grind it up. And I was like, oh, that's very strong. (laughs) (laughs) So I I really started being more mindful of how I talked about what I was doing and bringing people along and explaining to them, almost like when you teach kids how to drive is, you know, you don't do the thing and tell them what they do right or wrong. That's very command and control. My style is more partnering. And um, I read a lot of Art of War. I read it about every other year to remind me of some things that may have, I may have forgotten. But um, to your point, yeah, I, I, I don't, I didn't think of it until I sat at a table, but I just decided at some point I needed to do things the way I felt that they needed to be done. And then folks can adapt to that. But my passion was doing the right thing for my agency and for our mission, which is protecting public health. Well, that, and that's a big difference, right? Uh, it, there's there's um, yelling and saying, hey, you're not listening to me. And there's passion for the mission, which I have always equated with you. You've always had a passion for the mission, which I greatly appreciate. And then it's infectious for everybody who works for you that the mission is number one. So I I appreciate that. So what chain of events uh, brought you to be the chief information officer? Um, It's almost like a movie. I was asked to apply for it several times and I never wanted that I I, and I will say I if you look back and other things I've done I will say this my biggest challenge in web at that time was cybersecurity, and it was I felt like it was the office of no Mm -hmm. I I couldn't figure out how to get anything done and I realized my approach was wrong but that was why I didn't want to do IT as I just felt like it was just everywhere where your dreams go to die and I couldn't be part of that. It was just going to kill me. And so the third time was really mm, not really an option to say no. So I decided that what I needed to do is educate myself. So as you know, in developing in, in your realm and world and also education, which is part of your passion too, is that you know I really had to understand that I was coming from a place that I didn't know. And it was my job to educate myself um, outside of the office and also in talking to people at the office and realizing that everything's part of a process and it's designed to fail if you bring IT in at the end. If you'd found the solution you want, if you found the vendor you want, if you've got in your mind everything that you think it needs to do and you bring this to them with a big bow on it, then you've kind of gotten that sweat equity into it. It's it's now it's, it's personal and um, then they have very little time to help you to make it successful. Mm. So what I wanted to do is work on partnering and bringing people in up front at ideation and changing that relationship. And that I think was helpful in me being um, 12 years, I think, as a federal CIO. I think at the time I was the longest serving federal CIO, which amazing to me considering how I never wanted to have the job. But um, I learned so much from everyone I worked with, you included, but just everybody that came through and everybody that just contributed to this, the public health mission, connecting people in nearly 7,000 locations nationwide and just trying to be what we needed to help them to do their jobs because it, it's a noble job. Yeah, you were at the helm for one of the most important systems, right? Public health information system, which is so critical to use it meet safety in 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 the united states and so uh i i can't tell you how that that mission was probably the most i was in the military and that was still one of the most exciting missions i've ever worked for uh so that i'm glad to 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 hear that um you stick you you did it you made it happen and then i see i see um you know in in the introduction 
that you've had a few roles. So is is this um, then once again coming and saying, Janet, we need you to tackle something for us? Yeah, Chief, you know, Acting Chief Data Officer, Chief Risk Officer, it's like, we just need you to step up and do this as a collateral duty. And, you know, yes, I will <laughs> so <laughs> do a little bit of learning. Um, I thank goodness I had a, a brief stint for one year as the um, Director of the Management Controls Technology Staff, which really helped me to understand kind of the, the, the not just the risk management, but the enterprise risk management piece. Um, and I think having a project management background, a PMP, that also helped because that, you know, you're managing schedule, you're managing, you're really managing risk and everybody, it's not a, it's not a, a, a career where you're just tracking things. I feel like people think project management is just tracking things, but no, it's actually trying to avoid things from either occurring or not occurring mm-hmm. <laughs> while still staying on this budget that two years ago you came up with in the best way you could um, and try to, you know, fly the plane while you land it. And, and you were definitely a part of that too. But so that's kind of where... <laughs> Where I saw that. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people uh, in risk, and in my current agency has a has a whole risk office that I interact with quite a bit, and it's really problem solving. It's unique regulatory requirements, unique mission requirements, and the how they overlap. How are you going to get it done? What are our challenges? What are our problem sets? And then how are we going to fix them? And it's not shelf life, right? You you have to constantly, yeah. you know, manage that. You have to constantly stay after it. It's not a, oh, we did the ERM shelf. <laughs> <laughs> or that easy. Oh my gosh. I wish it was that easy, right? Yes. So then uh, human capital. Now that one surprised me. When I saw you, you got the, the job and you moved into this role, the talent talent management. Uh, I was a little surprised because I, I, I've known you more so in the IT realm. Chief data officer kind of made sense. Risk management is still kind of makes sense within the uh, the broader um, enterprise. Talent management, how did that come about? Um, I think I, I've been in government since 91. And we were we have a workforce of just shy of 9,000 people in about 7,000 locations. And in my in my last stint before this, I, w- I became a, a deputy assistant administrator for the Office of Planning, Analysis, and Risk Management, which also had the data science component. And then I became the actual assistant administrator. So I, in my brain, my career was it. I was going to you know, go into retirement you know, you know, five, seven years from now in that role. And then um, there came this need for kind of blending um, DEIA with analytics, people analytics, Mm-hmm. And then looking at making sure that because we work everywhere, we are we are just everywhere, but everywhere can can be a blur if you're only looking at it from the highest numeric number. If you have to drill down and look at local places, local economies, what's going on there, what the trends are, the impacts of COVID in these economies, the long lasting impacts of the economy. And um, that's kind of where that led was they they asked, well, you know, <laughs> you've been doing, and I had the highest FEV, had the highest FEV scores and participation. So there was that piece too, that, you know, all these other things are going on and then your FEVs is going well. So maybe you can come in and there was a brand new position. They let me create it myself. I wrote my PD, how, what a rare occurrence that is. Hmm. And, um, but that's what I wanted to do is take what I was doing and more make people analytics but then driving it to make sure we're, we're thinking about everybody out there trying to hire and those who want to have jobs and try to match those two up and, you know, get away from this concept of, well, it's on USA jobs. We post it, we crossed our fingers, maybe somebody will apply. And that's just not where the world is right now. 
Well, there's a lot to bringing people on, right? There's the uh, different hiring authorities. There's figuring out ways to leverage them creatively. There's the ability to do uh, intern pathway internships and other internships, as well as you know job fairs, which gives you some unique hiring authorities. I could see, uh, based on my my interaction with you, how you could bring things like that together. Is that really how it is? It's the creativeness of bringing the right people to the right place. It absolutely is because you know I, I have these little mini workshops I create where I bring on like government data local data. We're bringing in the local news media, for example. So I bring in our public affairs staff. I bring in our civil rights staff. And we all get together with these locations, with these management teams. And we're like, look, we're, we're going to sit here and we're going to look at everything to understand about what you're, who you're trying to hire and where they are. And here's all these tools and processes we can use to help you. But we do it in that vein of we are here to understand, to listen, and then give you this option because I'm working on a toolkit and a, um, a playbook so that folks can repeat that. I created a community practice where we have over 250 members, but that really is it because there's just nothing better than getting that email saying, we had this job on the street for 90 days. We had no applicants. You helped us and we got 41. Mm. And we are hiring good people and they're happy to have a job and we're happy that they're here and we're getting the work done and also, these folks who've been trying and trying and trying and balancing things to try to driving around to help each other. Now they can have a life, you know, and that, that just is, yeah. is so fulfilling where you can just help everyone, the applicant, the people around there and, and having that balance. So just nothing that makes me happier than getting that email. That's awesome. So um, as you've gone through your career and you've had a very interestingly variety of roles, which just is fascinating for me. Um, What's something that if we came to you and said, you know, you have the power to make a change and, um, and as you look at that career and the things you've interacted with and the things you've seen, what's something you've seen that you wish, man, I wish I had that power and I would make a change that uh, to a process or to, to, to whatever that can make things better for those coming behind me? I will have to say in all of my last probably 10 years of roles or more, through this one, if I had all the power in the world to make a change, I would really like to change how the government hires people. Um, I, I look at how private industry and, and you know, there's, yes, there's lots of authorities and things like that. I'm not saying there aren't lots of tools there. There are, and we need to educate better people better on what they are. But if we spin it around to think about it from the applicant perspective, it is so difficult not having, uh, I mean, most people are on mobile devices. Uh, most people where we're hiring probably don't have a mobile device and a home computer. Hmm. And they've got an account where they can, or the scanner or whatever, they can take some documents and scan them. So I really feel like having um, a system that's designed for the applicant to be successful, no matter where they are, no matter what device that they're using, to be able to get in and make it as easy as it is to, to apply. I'm not saying to get the job. We've got, I know we've got a lot of requirements around that. I, I, I do understand that, but I, I think we've got to work on making this process easier to get people in um, and look at what private industry is doing and then look internally and see what we can do differently because um, we have to market better. But I, I just see folks trying hours and hours to help people understand how to log in, how to upload something, uh, what's what's needed, and then how to take what the job says. And you really have to tailor your resume to every job. Most people have one or two resumes they're sending out in bulk. 
government resumes are so different and you know you do have to spend a lot of time to put one together. So I think educating people and helping them, but we've got to make the process easier to apply and to apply successfully. Yep. And manage and manage the content they put in the system. I, uh, I, I, as you know, I'm federal employee myself. So I use USA jobs and I have been frustrated when I've had to delete a resume because it only lets me keep so many. And of course, sure. I have it on my PC, but it's so, it's so painful at times that. And, and a mobile app. Hey, you know, be yeah. great. We, there, I think there was one many moons ago. I don't think it really lets you apply. I think it just lets you kind of search, but we really need that richness. Mm -hmm. um, this, not only our generation, but <laughs> the current generations and generations to come just, I mean, they're applying on text message for goodness sake. I mean, <laughs> we, we really need to, to completely rethink that, but um, it's almost like you need TurboTax for applications or something where it just guides you through. And then mm -hmm. at the end of it, you have what you need, but it's um, if I had the power in the world, it would be a mobile app and to redesign the, the experience around the applicant. That's I am on board. I'm, I'm right there with you. All right. All right. I got two. This <laughs> is watching. Drop see, some comments in here. There you go. Let's see if we can get a, a movement, get a movement going. I, I'm huge. I, I do a lot of volunteering uh, with early career development. It's a big passion of mine. And I want them to come into government. And in the application process can be challenging at times. And I'll hold their hand as, as much as they'll let me, right? To say, please, yeah. we need young people in government. I want to retire. We'll need somebody to do all of these jobs. And there's a huge retirement wave they keep talking about. We and we need we need people. So I think it's a great suggestion. It's a it's just such a I mean, the federal government is huge. Anything you want to do, and I mean anything. You yeah. want to fly an airplane, you want to do things with agriculture, you want to do things with cybersecurity, you want to do anything in between there, marketing, research, public affairs, data science, financial. I mean, we have every job you could possibly want. There are a lot of jobs that changed and shifted now that have some remote options or, or telework and you can move around. Um, I, I, I cannot oversell working for the federal government. You have a, an actual pension. There's so many things, the benefits, the incentives, but um, I think we really have to make working in government something that really excites you because it's been exciting. I've had an exciting ride. I, I love talking about it as you can sadly tell. But um, I, I just want to inspire others to want to work for the government and, and just work in, in, in their passion and make a difference. Hmm. So what's next for you, Janet? Anything coming up in the near future? Um, I'm really looking forward to next year where I'm going to get out and try to make some sh um, shifts in how we recruit on site and also move into virtual. Um, we, we're not into the er that area as much as I'd like. So we're working on that and then trying to work on some um, some data flows that I'm looking at to try to find some bottlenecks and try to free those up so we can get some even better, more diverse and highly qualified candidates in. So I've got a lot of data things going and I've got a lot of personal observation things going. Um, and I've just got a team uh, and a, of just great people that I can rely on. And um, we're just looking forward to continuing to get great people in and market and get out there in every place we can and just talk about how it is and just such a great, I mean, Foods. Who doesn't eat food? There's one. You can talk about it no matter where you go. And mm -hmm. um, it's just, we're just, I, I, I've been here now, I think 18 years. It's the longest federal job I've ever had as far as an agency. And I, I know I'm going to retire from here. Um, so I need someone to come behind me. You want a job as a chief talent management officer, come here. I need <laughs> to pass the baton. That's amazing. Well, I, I really appreciate the work that you do. I love the passion you have for it. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing that today. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for the invite, Jeremy.